Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am Jason Kong. Pleased to be here with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Doing good, Jason. Hope you are. It's uh, feeling like spring is almost here. I, I, you know, I, I don't know technically whether I guess spring is sprung, but it doesn't, it doesn't quite feel like it yet. I mean, I know we're on daylight savings time. It took me a few days to get over that. I think it took us all a few days. <laughs> yeah, it was really pretty funny. Uh, I, I changed all the clocks in my house, but I forgot about my watch. And when I came to work uh, on uh, that Monday, um, I, I was getting ready to go to lunch, you know, <laughs> and they said, whoa, whoa, whoa can't go. Your your next appointment's here. And I, and I said, no, I have an hour. And they said, no, you don't. You have three minutes. <laughs> so, but, yeah, but, you know, it's the kind of thing where um, – uh it's still cool and it's uh i think we're all awaiting when it turns beautiful and all the buds are out and all that good stuff but you know uh and of course springtime is is one of my two favorite times of the year you know particularly late spring and early fall to me are just the most wonderful times of the year but it's like everything else. It, it comes with a dark side. <laughs> and you know what that is. The yellow side. That's right. The yellow side <laughs> called pollen. You know, it's uh, even a rose has thorns. And, uh, it, you know, it's um, we just we're just going to have to suffer that and then power wash our homes and cars and everything else uh, until the pollen goes away. But, you know, even after the yellow pollen is gone we end up with grass pollen and oak pollen that we can't see uh those of of us who uh, have allergies know it's there (laughs) but uh it's uh, well it's just the way it is and of course in some ways it makes life interesting If, if every day was perfect and beautiful then it would be boring after a while so we just have to appreciate the rain and the wind and the the times, uh, you know, the times when we can't do what we want makes us appreciate the things that when we can do what we want to do. So it's all, you know, it all works together uh, uh, to to make life what it is. Uh, well, anyway, uh, we'll get on and get we we need to get to the point, don't we? And and so this morning, uh, I I want to talk about some estate planning documents. Um, You know, that's my job. Uh, I I do estate planning along with uh, my elder law practice and and trying to help folks uh, with their uh, financial decisions and insurance decisions and and things like that, and taxes particularly, because truthfully, it all relates together in terms of good planning. So how you have to have an overarching plan. And part of that overarching plan has got to be your legal documents. And so uh, the first document that I want to talk about it is your last will and testament. Now, I have to say that from my own perspective, trying to assist clients getting, you know, accomplishing their goals, doing what they need to do, some folks think that a state plan, in fact, most folks think that a state planning is all about 
how do you transfer your property at death? In other words, it's death planning. You sound like Darth Vader, sort of. <laughs> so, but no, it's really not that. Good estate planning is 90% life planning. In other words, it's how do we deal with the bad things that happen to us? I mean, if life is perfect, which it never is, then and you don't ever have to deal with those rainy and snowy days in our lives, uh, if you will, um, then why would you need documents at all? Because, you know, life is perfect. You're immortal. All is well. You're never going to get sick. You're never going to get old. Uh, you don't need anything, right? <laughs> You'll never run out of money. <laughs> well, the fact is, is that most of us do have to worry about those kinds of things. And good planning for your family is how you deal with that. In other words, you know, part of it is who can you trust? Who can you trust to manage your money if you can't do it for yourself? Who do you trust to manage your health care decisions if you can't communicate what you want to your physician? Um, you know, what documents do you need for that to happen? And so uh, in a lot of ways, those are the more difficult decisions. How much authority do you give those trusted agents. What if you don't have a trusted agent? What do you do? Well, there are solutions to that. But uh, this morning, I, I basically want to narrow uh, what, I mean, there, as you know, there's so much we could talk about. I want to talk some uh, about the basics. And one of the basic documents is a last will and tell testament. Why do you do one? Why is it important? Why do you need to go to a lawyer to do it? Okay. Well, um, frankly, if you don't have a last will and testament as a basic estate planning document, then you're leaving where everything you've worked for during your lifetime, you don't control where it goes. It The state, the state of North Carolina, if you live in North Carolina, has a plan that is put in place when you don't make those decisions for your family uh, relating to your own uh, property. And that's called intestacy. And that's the state's plan for your estate when you don't have one. And, uh, you know, obviously it's unfortunate, but there are an awful lot of folks who never plan. It's like, they either don't care or they think they're going to be immortal and not die until tomorrow so that they can do something today. Or they won't die until next week so they can wait till tomorrow to do it. I mean, that's <laughs> right. Isn't that the way it is? Well, that's one of the reasons why uh, I, I say frequently that procrastination when it comes to planning is your enemy uh, because – no, no one knows when bad things will happen to us. Um, and, of course, as we get older, it's the likelihood of bad things happening have a, a greater possibility or probability, uh, as we all know. So, um, and, of course, could a business succeed without a good business plan? 
No, of course not. You can't just wing it and be successful in business. Well, the same thing is true for an estate plan. You can't just wing it and have a really good, uh, thought out a plan uh, for yourself and your family. Now, a will is not the only document that you need for that kind of planning, but it is a basic document, and it's it's important. It's interesting to me, because I've been doing this for so long, but it's interesting to me how much misinformation people carry around regarding a will. And you know what the biggest half-truth is, or if you want to call it misconception about a will is? What's that? Well, it's the fact that so many people think that your will controls everything. And that's rarely the case. Uh, A will controls what property that you allow it to control. And for, for many, many people, a last will and testament is more a cleanup document than it is a document that controls everything. And and that's a, a huge misconception because people think that they can go to the bank and sign a contract and add their child or spouse or somebody else to an account, and that doesn't affect anything at their death. And they can buy property or own it with their siblings or their spouse or their children. And that, in other words, that their will reaches back somehow and changes all those contracts that they've signed at the bank and at their investment house and and with their real estate attorney. Uh, And, you know, obviously you also have what's called a beneficiary designation with your retirement plans. And, you know, that's a big deal for a lot of folks. You know, years ago, it was almost always that your home was the biggest asset we have. Not That's not true anymore. For a lot of folks, their uh, home is less valuable than their retirement account. And, of course, the retirement account is a beneficiary designation. So the point I'm trying to make is the fact that a will does not reach back and have any effect whatsoever on your beneficiary designations in your life insurance or your annuities or your retirement accounts. And it doesn't matter what kind of retirement. It could be a, an IRA. It can, be a, it can be a Roth. It can be a 401K, 403B, Federal Thrift Savings Plan, whatever it is. It's not going to affect those beneficiary designations. Now, it might if you somehow have messed up and don't have a beneficiary designation because maybe you uh, uh, had a, a designated to a spouse and never put your children on there and then your spouse dies and so now you don't have any beneficiary. That happens at times. So there's an awful lot when it comes to your own estate that you really need to do when it comes to your planning. And of course, your will is part of that plan. But it's, to me, what's really important is for folks to know if they, hopefully that they do a will, because it is an important document, how that fits in so that their plan works the way they want it to work. Because if you sign a document of any kind and things don't occur 
as you wanted it to work, then your plan didn't work. And it's my job to help people create a plan that actually does what they intend for it to do. And so a big part of that is understanding how your last will and testament fits into the greater plan, if you will. Bill, I got more questions for you. We do have to take a break, but you know, you mentioned why do we need a lawyer? And I want to ask you that when we come back. I do want to remind everyone, if you want to find more information about Bill, you can do that by going online to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. That's where you can find more information about him. You can schedule an appointment to speak with him. You can also register for Bill's next set of seminars coming up Wednesday, April 14th. That's Wednesday, April 14th. Just go to WGALaw.com and click on that Seminars button to find more information about his two wonderful free seminars dealing with long-term care assistance and asset protection and trust planning, which we're going to spend a lot of time talking about today. WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. Taking a quick break. We'll be back after this. You are listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget you can learn more about him at WGALaw.com, WGALaw.com. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and Bill, we're talking about planning and you know i think when most people think about planning as you said the will is one of the first things to come to mind but there's lots of misconceptions and uh as we were wrapping up last segment it's not just enough to have a plan it's making sure that your plan is executed properly no question about it and of course uh, right before the break you asked me well i said that a client uh, people are better off uh, having an attorney Uh, draft and help them with their will. And there's no question about it. And the the reason for that is because uh, there are very few folks out there who are not lawyers who understands how they work uh, and what you have to do to make them work. And uh, lawyers use language that is tried and true. A lot of folks don't realize that, but The words that are used are words that have been interpreted by the courts or have statutory meaning um, that make the document work the way people want it to. Uh, So in basically your intentions are carried forward in the document. And, you know, there are folks who complain about the fact you all use big words. <laughs> and, of course, we do. We're paid by the word. <laughs> but I'm kidding now. But the fact is is that um, a, a, a well-drafted will has a lot of contingencies. And North Carolina has some oddball rules when it comes to a last will and testament that most clients, in fact, hardly anybody, even some lawyers, don't understand some of those rules. One has to do with a power of appointment. Do you even know what a power of appointment is? I do not. Well, I'm not going to explain it to you, but the fact is is that your will must 
in North Carolina, it must have some language regarding any powers of appointment that you might have. Otherwise, the law gives it a different direction. Secondly, and, and just as importantly, if not more so, is that a will has to be executed with a great deal of formality. Uh, it also in North Carolina, and by formality, I mean that you have to have the person signing the will, you have to have two witnesses, and you have to have a notary, uh, a notary public, where everybody is together at the same time and signing in front of each other. That's a requirement. And if you don't do it that way, your will is not valid. And so the point is that if a an attorney helps you with the execution of the document, it's going to be done correctly and it'll be a valid will. So to me, that is a no-brainer. And one of the things that's frustrating is the fact that a will, the, the law requires a will to be signed with a, with a great deal of formality. It also has some language requirements in the will in terms of how it's executed. Uh, such, I mean, this um, a lot of folks don't realize why it's there, but the, it's because the law requires it. The fact that we're over eighteen, uh, and uh, that we are competent, and we're not being unduly influenced. Um, in other words, we're an adult who knows what we're doing, and no one's telling us how to do it or what to do, and or even influencing us as to what we want to do in our plan. Well, that's a requirement in North Carolina. If those magic words are not in the document, it, the clerk may very well not probate your will. Well, that's, that's important for, for folks to understand. So, you know, if you try to do your own will— you or if you take something that's offline, you know, that sort of thing, or you try to write your own words, you're asking for a lawsuit if there's uh you're you're asking for there to be a controversy over how to distribute things. And like I said, one of the things that's frustrating is the fact that your will is which should have some really good contingency planning because Life doesn't go according to the way we want it to go. It it happens around us, and we have to deal with it and go from there. So the the fact is that um, th- that you can do beneficiary designations, and you can do uh, rights of survivorship, and buy properties with a real estate with tenants by the entireties, and other type of survivorship with far less formality than what's required in your last will and testament. I mean, you can go to the bank and they say, sign here, and you sign it, and it screws up everything. And uh, so those are, I mean, that's why you really need a lawyer not only to do your documents, but to make sure that all the other things that you might do doesn't screw it up. I mean, that's uh, there's more to an estate plan than simply signing your documents and going home. It has to do with, you know, it's the Paul Harvey thing. What's the rest of the story in terms of all the other things that you do that 
actually take priority in a distribution scheme over what your last will and testament does. Because you have to understand that unless you have all of your property tied together seamlessly, your, all your will is a, is is a cleanup document. It's it's not the document it really should be for you. Um, so anyway, that's an important concept. And then there are folks who have good documents, and then they unintentionally screw them up. So I want to talk about that when we come back, Jason. Uh, we will do that, Bill. It's so important that all these documents and your plans, every, all the components work in harmony because uh, it doesn't take much for a plan to, to become unraveled. And we're going to get into that conversation. And don't forget, if you want to find more information about Bill, maybe you have some documents that want, you want to have reviewed, or maybe you don't have some documents at all and you want to get on that. Go to WGALaw.com, schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, or call the office, 919 919- Two five six seven thousand nine one nine two five six seven thousand. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. WGALaw.com is Bill's website. If you want to find more information about him, WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're talking all about wills and asset protection and planning, Bill. And uh, we were just talking before the break that it's it's so important to make sure that everything is uh, working as you intended because these plans can unravel very quickly if we make a mistake. Well, no question about it. And, of course, another key concept uh, is the fact that – once you have executed your documents, and let's just say everything is done right, you know you've you've got all of your titles the way that you want them to to go. Your will takes care of everything. It has good contingency planning, and then you know what happens? What's that? Life. You know the one constant in life, and I know you know the answer to this. What's the one constant? Uh, it's change, Bill. That, that's exactly right. And so the fact is, is that just because you did a document five years ago or ten years ago doesn't mean it's going to be what you want today. Uh, and, I mean, think of it like business. Can you do a business plan ten years ago that's going to work for you now? Well, I mean, gosh, Think about how technology has changed everything. Or in, in this world right now, coronavirus has changed everything, at least for the past year, and and will continue to make life miserable for us for another few months. <laughs> Hopefully, less. I mean, at least we're going to be doing things differently. But the point is, is that life changes. It's a constant. And sometimes we love the change, and sometimes we hate it. But the fact is... It's going to change. And so, I mean, uh, uh, in a lot of people's lives, for instance, children grow up. Sometimes they grow up to be wonderful, uh, fabulous, caring, loving uh, children, and sometimes they don't. (laughs) Sometimes children go a separate path, and sometimes uh, they fall into 
bad places. Uh, I mean, and there are things that we can't control. We'd like to, but we can't. Or our health goes in a direction that we don't want it to go in. Uh, That happens uh, frequently. Uh, Or our family members die. The folks that we were counting on, they die or they move away, and they're not available to help us anymore. Um, uh, So all of that basically means, number one, uh, when the law changes or when family situations change or intentions change, and we know what they will, then you need to seek counsel and update or revise documents. Uh, the best documents in the world need revision occasionally. Now, I, I had a client who came in this past uh, week that uh, is a great example of what not to do. <laughs> okay? And she came in and said, well, I, I, I need you to review what I have just to see if what I have uh, will work. And then I started looking at her documents, and of course, she had um, a, an array of documents. She she had a general durable power of attorney, a health care power of attorney. She had a, 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 natu- a, a directive for natural death. Uh, she had a medical release. So she had most of her documents in order. She had a last will and testament, and she had a revocable trust agreement. So she basically had the full gamut of estate planning documents, and I started reviewing it, and guess what? And she gave me the originals to look at. Well, what this lady had done, and I've seen this happen time and time again, and it's like, come on now. Um, She had taken a pencil and sometimes a pen, and she had marked through names and had initialed it, of course, and X'd out paragraphs of do this and do that in her will and her trust, and also changed names in her powers of attorney. In other words, that person, I don't like that person anymore. That other person died, so I scratched them out, and I put a sticky there, and I initialed it, so that should be right. Right? You think that do you think that works, Jason? I'm guessing it doesn't work. No, of course it doesn't. In fact, it voids the document, the entire document. Why? Because you haven't done what it requires, which is all of those formalities of making a change to a document where it has to be witnessed properly, it has to be notarized, it has to be signed, where everybody does it together. And when you're by yourself scratching the original names out and substituting names and initialing it, are you doing it with the same formality? You are absolutely not doing it with the same well, formality. Well, that's the point. And, and the fact that you've scratched the names out and initialed it made it really clear that you did not want that part of your document anymore. So guess what? It means you have revoked the document, so now you don't have documents anymore. <laughs> okay? So guess what? When you, Now, what I tell folks is, look, if you're doing those things, in other words, changing the names, 
to help the lawyer redraft your documents so that you can sign it again. Great, but use a photocopy. Don't use the original because you're clearly revoking it. And in most cases, almost all cases, the changes you're making might be relatively subtle, but they are important. So guess what? It's time to get your documents revised. Well, the funny thing about this uh uh, my client who came in, and she was a wonderful person. But fact is, she had marked all over her documents. She had so many sticky notes and initials on every document she had, just about. And it was just like I was just scratching my head. I was going, "Oh, come on now!" This. <laughs> well, one thing that was clear was that her documents needed to be revised. But the the lesson for the day is don't take documents even lousy documents uh, don't take them and start marking through them with your originals cuz all you're doing is revoking that document completely when you've done that so if if you want to make the changes so you can basically show the attorney what you're trying to to accomplish use a photocopy and get to the lawyer as quickly as you can to get your revisions done. And, and of course, the other thing, too, uh, at least uh, because, as you know, I do an awful lot of trust-based planning, uh, uh, there are an awful lot of trusts that I review that really maybe it was because it was done when the exemptions, tax exemptions, were much, much lower or just because it was done by folks who don't do a lot of trust planning, but an awful lot of trusts that I see are not done very well. And so we tend to revise the whole thing frequently for folks uh, when we end up reviewing a trust agreement. And it's because the folks want us to, because we say, well, this trust doesn't have any of this kind of planning in it or that kind of planning in it. Do you want those things? Absolutely, we want those things. Okay, well, we, we're going to change your trust completely in order to give you those things that you didn't get otherwise. And then, of course, there's a great big problem even with trust that messes it up completely. And I see this more often than not, and I've probably you probably remember what it is because you have to listen to me every week, Jason. So what do you think that is with trust that people don't do? Uh, changing title to make sure you've there got you, it in your trust. Exactly. It's the same issue with the will. You have to have your titles to match your planning. And that's why I get so frustrated with bankers and investment advisors that try to get people to – uh, you know, to sign a contract on how to distribute their property when they have no clue what the estate plan is, and oftentimes they can screw up those plans. But you're exactly right. There's so many people that come in, they have a nice trust agreement, and the first question I ask is, well, what have you put into this trust? Now, you know, because the and they look at me like, you mean we were supposed to do something else other than sign these documents? And I'm going. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you have to have your property in the trust for the trust to actually work properly. Because you know why a lot of folks do a trust, uh, Jason? It's simply to avoid probate and the cost of probate and the length of time probate requires. People like privacy. They like speed. Uh, they like to be able to get their affairs wrapped up 
quickly, which a trust allows you to do. But you know what happens when you don't have your property in the trust? Goes to probate? Exactly. It goes through court administration because you have a will that says, put it into my trust. Well, basically, if you don't have it before you die, your property has to go through probate to get into your trust. So it actually creates you, – you, it fails. You don't have the privacy. You don't have the speed. And you have greater costs because you have all the costs you would have in probate, and then you have to do trust administration once you get it through the court administration. So so many people don't get that, that Paul Harvey, uh, the rest of the story – um, when it comes to making sure that your trust or your will will actually work right. And uh, so to, to those are important concepts for folks to understand. They really are. And if, if that scenario hits home with you, maybe you've got a trust and you haven't put anything in it, or maybe you've marked up a will of yours with some initialing and changes, thinking that that's okay, as Bill explained, you're going to need to have your documents revised. Get a hold of Bill if you're in either of those situations to make sure that your documents are going to do what you want them to. Go to WGALaw.com. You can schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. And don't forget, you can also register for Bill's free seminars coming up on Wednesday, April 14th. You can do that by clicking on the seminars button at WGALaw.com. It's free to register, free to attend. Bill does seminars dealing with the topics of long-term care assistance and also asset protection and trust planning. So if you're enjoying some of the conversation that we're having today, you may want to sign up for that second seminar happening on Wednesday, April 14th. If you have questions or you prefer to speak with someone on the phone, the office number is 919-256-7000. Taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, you can find more about him online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. I am Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're speaking on wills today and we also mentioned trusts last segment bill and uh you know there's there's always some question at least from uh a simple mind like mine on the differences between wills and trusts uh well uh it is important for folk i get a lot of questions in my office about what's a trust how does it work what are the advantages versus a will but so the first thing is a will is an important document. And even when you have a trust, you absolutely need a a will as a cleanup document to put it into your trust at your death. Hopefully everything's in your trust, but most people have a little bit of cleanup to do. It might only be a, a vehicle that you own, or it may be something else that's not in your trust. But the fact is, is that a will is an important document so that your trust can work better upon your death. But of course, you can have, um, you know, the, one of the disadvantages of a will, if you get down to it, is it requires probate. Now, don't forget that if you don't have a will, in other words, the intestacy laws apply to your estate, then guess what? 
you have probate. So if you if you have a will, you have probate. You have court administration. If you don't have a will, you have court administration. So there are ways to avoid the court administration, and a trust is pro- is clearly the best way to avoid the time and hassle and expense of a court administration, uh, as, assuming that you have the right kind of family and resources. Uh, now, you can do some basic tax planning, estate tax planning, with a will. Um, it's harder to do advanced planning with a will, uh, but you can do some basic estate tax planning with a will. You certainly can determine where your property goes at death, assuming you don't screw it up by other title issues that we talked about earlier. Uh, and you can, to some degree, protect uh, – you can create some simple trusts for – you know, with asset protection for your spouse and children. And as you know, we do a lot of, of um, long-term care planning and – with Medicaid asset protection planning, a will-based trust, what we call a supplemental needs trust, is a very, very important way to protect your spouse. And the only way to protect your spouse <clears throat> upon your death. So, though you know, wills are an important part, but they don't, you know, a negative is they don't take effect until you die. Uh, and uh, they're obviously less sophisticated in terms of the planning that you're trying to create. Uh, one of the biggest disadvantages is you cannot create a, an incapacity plan for yourself with simp- with a simple will-based plan because number one, it doesn't it doesn't take effect. Now you can sign a power of attorney giving someone authority, but the the advantage of a trust is the fact that you can give your your successor trustee, your agent, which very well might be the same person that you have as your agent under a power of attorney, you give them fiduciary duties under your trust. In other words, they have a fiduciary duty to carry out what you want as you've set it out for your when you're disabled and in capacity. And that those duties can be how you want your money invested how you know whether you want property sold or held whether you want it rented or not uh, whether or not you want to prohibit your fiduciary from placing you in a nursing home and if you have enough resources to pay for 24 7 home care you can do that you know not everybody enjoys that type of of um uh, of liberty if you will but there are an awful lot of folks who can afford it but they have to give their successor trustee, often their children, those fiduciary duties to carry out that, which a trust actually requires. Well, guess what? Your children actually have a conflict of interest because they'll get a bigger inheritance if they stick you in a nursing home, uh, which is less expensive than paying for home care. So uh, <laughs> now most children don't look at it that way, but there are plenty of them who do. So and I have what my orphan clients, my orphan clients don't have children, they don't have a spouse, they, they don't have a sibling. So, they, you know, those folks sometimes do a trust, even though they don't need one for the distribution of their property, 
They do a trust simply because they want a, a fiduciary obligation for somebody to take care of them with their money the way they want to be taken care of. And so, yes, you can do far more with a revocable trust with that kind of lifetime planning, even if you don't need it for the death distribution. So um, now, of course, with a will, everything is public record. It's all out there for everybody to see in terms of what you have and what you don't have and your debts. Uh, it requires you know, notice to creditors. It, it requires a lot. Uh, it it requires accountings with the clerk, inventories, values, uh, all of that. Um, and, of course, the clerk or the courts are, are in control of the estate. And, of course, it's time-consuming as well. So there uh, – now, if, if you want that control, which very few people really want, but if you want it, then a court administration is actually a good thing. If you don't have anybody in your life you can trust <laughs> with the death distribution, if you will, with how you want it, then having the court oversee that can actually be an advantage. But rarely is an advantage. And with a trust, if you don't if you're an orphan and you don't have anybody that you want to appoint or you feel comfortable appointing in that role, you can have a professional do it and to make sure it's done right. So now, also, a trust can save a lot of money, not only because you avoid probate. I mean, if you own real estate in, in more than one state, a trust is always going to save you money, even though now one of the disadvantages of a trust is it costs more, and you have to fund it during your lifetime. So funding of your trust is is sort of like distributing it after your death. So you're basically doing that in advance. That's one of the reasons that a trust actually works better and uh, saves a lot of time because all your property is already in the trust. And it's uh, so it's so much faster and easier. Uh, but you can also do far more successful, sophisticated planning with the trust, whether it's asset protection for your spouse, asset protection for your children, which is why most of my clients actually do revocable trust planning. It's not about them. It's not about their spouse. It's about their kids and how to protect that inheritance. And you can do that. And you can do it with generation skipping. You can do it with great estate tax planning and other ways. So a trust really does give so many folks advantages that you can't do in a will. But for other families, a will works. And if those advantages appeal to you, I highly encourage you to register for Bill's free seminar happening on Wednesday, April 14th. Bill has one seminar dedicated to asset protection and trust planning. Uh, if, if this is something that you're interested in finding more information about, this is a wonderful way to do that. It's free to register, free to attend. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button, WGALaw. Com. Hey, and don't forget, as we mentioned last week, if you attend the seminar, you also get a free consultation after that. WGALaw.com. Just click on that seminars button. We're taking a quick break. We'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. <music> 
This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Bill, we're uh, short on time here, but you had a, a nugget of information related to the IRS. Absolutely. Final thought is a lot of folks are filing their taxes now, and one of the biggest problems uh, in the last couple years has been the fraud where people are filing your taxes in advance in order to get a refund, and then you don't get it. And so now the IRS is giving us the opportunity to go online and create a PIN, a personal identification number, and it's a six-digit PIN. And once you've created it and it's personal to you and you remember it, then every year you use that PIN, and a fraudster, unless they know your PIN, they cannot successfully file your taxes. Now, there's only one disadvantage, and that is if you forget your PIN, then the IRS is not going to accept your tax return. But for those of us who can remember our pen, it's a real advantage to keep others out of our tax returns. That's a great advice, and that is a growing scam that we need to be aware of. We are out of time for today, but we hope you will join us again next weekend for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a great day.